This episode of the Zero Cafe podcast is made possible by our partners, Online Influence Institute and VWO. Today I talk with Alex Ivanyuk, who is a senior software engineer at LinkedIn and a tech lead of the experimentation platform team. He's an author of quite some blog posts about what they're doing at LinkedIn, including the blog post about the prehistory of the experimentation platform, making the LinkedIn experimentation engine 20 times faster, and most recently, he released a blog post about assigning variants at scale. And today we're going to talk about exactly this experimentation at LinkedIn. In case you missed the previous episode, last time I spoke with Steen Rasmussen about data activation and supercharging the customer journey with analytics data. If you want to listen to that episode, you know the drill, you can go to www.zero.cafe or you can listen to it in the podcast app you're listening with right now. Welcome to season three, episode 16. Alex, uh, welcome to the Zero Cafe podcast. And um, glad you you were able to share uh, some information on, on uh, how you're doing things uh, at LinkedIn. We're we're all very curious uh, what you're about to share, and we're not gonna uh, like we spoke about it in in our um, uh, in our talk before. We're not gonna deep dive uh, into all the different experiments that LinkedIn is doing right now. That's not the uh, um, the aim of the talk. But we just to give some context uh, to our listeners what you're uh, what you're working on. Uh, could you give us some? some examples of, of features that were uh, built uh, to benefit the members that came out of this uh, program? Um, I think it's an interesting topic in its own. And um, I, I think that our experimentation actually extends beyond just a simple conversion rate optimization. And um, it's embodied in the principles and values of LinkedIn. And, you know, you may have heard that one of the values of LinkedIn is putting members first. And that means that whatever we do, we do to the benefit of every member. And um, that's uh, realized in a number of things that we do. Uh, one of them is an initiative called the Project Every Member, uh, where LinkedIn promises to try to, um, to, to completely eradicate or at least to equalize the gap between uh, some people with great social capital with a lot of connections and some people with lower social capital and who do not really have a chance of getting a good job or have a lesser chance of getting a good job, uh, finding a good opportunity, finding um, a good maybe talk opportunity or anything like that. So, you know, there were researches that um, said that if you have a lot of connections, you're two times more likely to get a top job, right? And if you were in a top school, you are also uh, much more likely to have a lot of connections, which will lead to having better jobs, better salary in the end. And um, we all know that the talent is distributed uniformly across the Earth's population, but the opportunity is not. And that's why LinkedIn actually puts a lot of emphasis on trying to equalize the opportunity for everyone. And um, some things that we do, we run experiments and we specifically measure the impact on different groups of populations, like people who have great social capital, a lot of connections or influencers, and people who have fewer connections, maybe they are new members to the site, uh, maybe they just um, oh, have unlucky situation in their life, or maybe their um, circle of uh, friends, acquaintances, is not really present on LinkedIn. And one of the examples that um, where we could see a positive impact of our changes 
was uh, providing instant job notifications on the site. And you know that a lot of jobs are actually filled through personal connections. And again, that speaks of a high value of social capital. And by providing instant job notifications, we allow users even who do not have those social connections to find jobs more easily and be able to apply to them right away. And recruiters are much more likely to uh, review the applications filled this way, like within the first few days. Um, and that had a tremendous positive impact on people with lower social capital. And we actually, we actually measured a bunch of other things that LinkedIn is doing. So we've seen that providing a special LinkedIn light application for areas or countries with slower internet connection also had tremendous positive impact because many more people were able to use the site, apply for jobs, um, build, build their networks. And uh, any site speed improvement, any reduction in the uh, load speed of the site also has a very good positive impact on, on such members. I hope that we can share a few links in, in the description of this podcast that speak about uh, the project Every Member and uh, experiments and yeah. methods that we use for uh, making the opportunity equal. Because one interesting thing that we discovered is that um, a lot of changes, um, when people make a lot of changes, they usually have good things in mind. So they think, they think that something will equally benefit everyone on the platform. But it's usually the case that um, some negative, uh, some negative impact happens anyway, and you need to be able to detect it and address it. Right? Uh, for example, speaking of A/B testing, if you have a neutral, a neutral impact shown on your A/B testing dashboard, that does not mean that every member experienced a neutral impact. Maybe some of some of the members experienced experienced a great positive impact, and some of the members experienced. Um, negative yeah. impact, but overall it's neutral and the change is not usually seen. And that's one of the new directions that we are looking at and we are actually proud of. And uh, we would like maybe to spread, uh, to spread the word about that and uh, uh, let a lot, of, uh, a lot of people know about that. Yeah. Are, are there um, uh, common segments that you see in those tests that, um, that are often impacted in, in positive or negative way, but when you're doing those experiments, what, what are the segments that you look at uh, for for effects? So we uh, we use a modified version of uh, Atkinson index. Um, did you hear about that? It's a common way of measuring the um, equality of uh, wealth distribution. And we, we changed how it works. And instead of the salary salary variables uh, we actually we actually use the social capital value which which is uh, which is expressed in the number of connections that a member has and this way we can measure how much of uh, how how much of equality uh, or equalization this change brings to the side versus maybe benefiting only influencers uh, like members with uh, many top connections and one of the things, just to give you an example, how you can maybe make a change with something good in the mind, but benefit people who already have great social capital and who may not need uh, new connections. For example, you can show um, profiles that other people looked at and just imagine that you only 
select profiles that already get the most views from the network and you put them in this section of the site. So if you use this approach, then uh, influencers, influencers will benefit a lot more. And actually uh, that section is very likely to have only influencers in there, but members who have very few profiles will never show up there. So it's, it's an example when a good intention might bring unintended consequences, right? And it will not yeah. be uh, directly observable uh, from the um, from the AB testing dashboard because very few influencers will get the benefit, but the members overall uh, will get very little benefit. So it may be like a very small improvement seemingly, but the impact will be adequately yeah. distributed. Yeah, I suppose as, as a networking site, uh, you benefit more from you benefit from the number, the overall number of connections, right? Not not just uh, the, the few people at the top having a lot of connections and everyone else just having a few. But if everyone is connected uh, connected more equally, that that benefits uh, the network uh, way more than than just adding a few more followers or connections for those top uh, top influencers. Right, and actually. Um... I think the emphasis that we put here is that the change that we are looking at should benefit people more, um, should benefit people first and foremost, rather than the network itself. Because when, whenever we have, um, whenever we have someone join us as a member, we should strive to improve their life, to provide them job opportunities, to provide them a way to find connections who can uh, give and advice uh, who can maybe teach some skills or um, let people learn something on the site. So we try to make every person better, more educated, more skillful, uh, help people to adapt to the to the new changes in this uh, uncertain world. And that's why we are very much interested not only to see um, the number of connections to go up, but to make sure that uh, they they go up reasonably and a lot of people benefit uh, from that rather than just a select few. Exactly. Yeah, and you just mentioned uh, those LinkedIn values. Uh, one of those is uh, members first. Uh, what, what are the other values and, and how do these values basically drive or inform your, your experimentation program? So um, I, I will try to recall them without, without looking up. So the other the, the other value is relationship matters, and I think LinkedIn is one of the best companies to work in, and that means that whatever we do internally, we should also think about our colleagues, um, about our peers, and think uh, how we can build long-term relationships that can be to everyone's benefit, and even if. Uh, there are some situations where it's hard to prove who is who is right, who is wrong. We all we always strive to uh, resolve such situations in uh, in the best way possible, and uh, we we even have a special process called clean resolution process. Whenever you have to address some change, and you know there are two sides, and you cannot prove certain uh, certain uh, a certain thing with just numbers by using A/B testing dashboard. We sit together and we try to uh, work through our disagreements. Uh, and then we try to understand what we disagree upon. And only then we call upon our managers to help us to re resolve, this, uh, resolve this argument or disagreement. I think that's a very constructive process and it's one of the best I've seen. 
in 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 the technical yeah. company center. I worked in in a few Cartagenian LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, what what else do we have? Yesterday's brainstorm was so good. I really liked Steph's idea of running that test on the call to action buttons. Making them orange will really make them stand out, don't you think? Yeah, right. Do you want to design real A-B test winners and achieve enormous conversion uplift? Then stop brainstorming and take a scientific approach. If you can read Dutch, follow the steps in Online Influence, the bestseller on managementbook.nl. Or enroll in the author's course and become an expert in applying proven behavioral science yourself. Go to onlineinfluence.com for more information and free downloads. Well, one of them, uh, I mean, there, there are six. One of them, I think that the most um, um, obviously one that, that speaks to, to experimentation is take intelligent risk. Take, take intelligent <laughs> risks, right. And um, yeah. that's that's very interesting one. Um, I think it's very uh, pretty much in the, um, in the spirit of LinkedIn to be to, to do something, but also to realize the consequences of, of doing such. And if you're certain that some change will bring uh, a positive impact to everyone, then well, you should you should go ahead and do that. But you should realize that that's risk as well, and take take some steps to mitigate the risk. And uh, our experimentation platform has a lot of a lot of such things that let you to take uh, take risks and understand their impact on the platform, on your product, on 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 the performance of the site, on anything. We actually have about. 8,000 metrics uh, that that we generate yeah. in our A-B testing dashboards. And... Uh, That's a lot of data to look at after a test. Yes. And we provide ways for people to uh, to discover uh, positive and negative consequences of, of taking risks. And we we have special, special data pipelines that let you to get the results very quickly. And... They're, they're not suitable for regular ramping because you should you should not trust your uh, your results in just a few hours of running. You know, there's always some seasonality impact. There's um, maybe some you may need to get a larger slice of the population to to make sure that your experiment is powerful enough. But if we are able to detect a negative impact within just a few a few hours after an experiment starts, then we can we can always ramp down or we can kill the experiment, try to understand what what's wrong uh, with that and then restart again. And uh, this way, I think it facilitates taking off intelligent risks uh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so we have the other one is inspiring, inspiring excellence. And I liked it very much. And I gave a few talks before on the history of the experimentation platform and how we have improved it continuously over the past 10 years. And one of the things I specifically, uh, I'm specifically proud of is how fast our data processing became. So um, I've calculated that our pipelines run about 100 times faster than they were running about seven or eight years before. And that's uh, that's not a result of adding more hardware. So we've added hardware on the way there, but our data has grown many more times and we were still able to keep up with the um, data growth and also continue to generate results within just a few hours after the 
data collection window. I think like an owner, that's another interesting value of LinkedIn. Uh, so all of them seem to be pretty, pretty cohesive. And whenever you take an intelligent risk, you should be taking the ownership of that and you should be responding to consequences, right? Uh, you should own the consequences whenever they are positive or negative, and you should try to do everything possible that members are not harmed uh, in in any way that we try to make sure that there's no site stability issue and, and so on and so forth. Um, there's, there's one more, uh, but I think... Be open, honest, and constructive. Yes, I think it's pretty much aligned with uh, quote-unquote relationship methods as well. And uh, they work pretty much together. So uh, we value feedback very much and we value constructive discussions. And we always try strive to make sure that whatever we do or say is uh, constructive, Right. It's, yeah. it's always hard when you're, or it's sometimes hard when you're passionate about your products, but we try to be reasonable and uh, we, we strive to be uh, constructive and use yeah. data to prove our position rather than to use our emotion to prove our position. Yeah. How, how far is that that's in, ingrained in, in the rest of the, of the company? I mean... Uh, usually uh, A-B testing or experimentation starts in the website because that's, it's, it's an own channel. We have uh, a lot of data there that's, that's relatively uh, easy to start. Um, but for example, is it, is it also something that happens, uh, I don't know, at customer support or sales or are there also experiments going on there or is it fairly limited to, well, limited is, is <laughs> relative, I guess. I mean, the website is the product, of course. Uh, but is it also a part of other other parts of the company, or? So we we say jokingly that experimentation runs in our blood in LinkedIn. That's uh, that, that, that's oh, yes. literally a joke. <laughs> but um, I would say that we have thousands of users internally who run experimentation, and uh, almost every feature release is accompanied by an A/B test or a few A/B tests, and we do not do A-B testing only in the cases when it's not possible. Like, for example, when you run an upgrade of the operational system, sometimes it's very hard to attribute the changes uh, to a certain machine or uh, to, to a certain service instance. We, we are trying to cover as many cases internally, and we are trying to cover the processes that are not yet covered by A-B testing, but I would say that um, 80 to 90% of all the releases probably go through A-B testing and the rest just cannot use A-B testing for one reason or the other. Okay. So let's talk about uh, that, that experimentation culture uh, culture a bit. Uh, what do you see as the main main features of that uh, at LinkedIn? How does that, uh, that work? So um, we believe that we believe that LinkedIn is a data-driven company and experimentation is uh, is required because we think that numbers are an objective way. Of course, the data can always be interpreted in multiple ways, but we think that data is a more objective way uh, than someone's opinion. And uh, that's why 
all the feature all the feature releases go through a b testing and uh people use the experimentation platform for multiple reasons so one of them is to get measurement the other one is to make sure that they can quickly uh roll back a bad release if it's required because it's it might take uh sometimes relatively long time with regular service rollouts or data updates but with a b testing you just uh deramp a feature flag and that's that's done we use a b testing also to target some specific populations of users and uh, uh make sure that the feature gets rolled out only in a certain um geographical area or for a certain population because there are cases when there are uh, you know every every country is different and every country has different laws custom and traditions and not all the things are yeah. possible across all the comp- uh, countries or maybe some countries need a special approach um or a different version of the of the site being published so these are the ways how people use experimentation and it's interesting that yeah. when you have so many so many users in the company who run ab testing uh the culture at some point starts evolving also on its own and people different teams internally uh self organized they create their own processes for ab testing they start having their own requirements for running ab testing so for example some teams run thousands of tests per year so uh modern overall more than one test per per person in the organization per year and some teams like our data science team have a greater need uh for advanced methodologies and that's why we have a cooperation with them to develop advanced methodologies like variance reduction or uh, causal uh, observational causal uh, studies methodologies and it's it's very interesting how people also create processes around experimentations like uh at this at this point when you run thousands of experiments you have to have some process uh, because if you run that many features some features may be may get deprioritized some features may get abandoned some features some people may be tempted to run their um trump their releases very quickly because they truly believe that there's no risk and uh, they can make a greater good by running it out in just a few days instead of waiting for a few weeks and be completely sure so uh different teams have different processes and another interesting aspect is that experimentation uh we have a lot of roles in experimentation because people, different people have different responsibilities and they need to have a different special interaction with the platform for example uh, we have site reliability engineers who need to be aware of all the changes in all the services they monitor and they need to understand when a certain change gets activated and they need to have a way to correlate the change with uh, some uh, service metric drop uh, drop or increase yeah one of those 8000 uh, <laughs> so we actually have a different set of service metrics and it's very hard to attribute a testing results to those although um we i think we have uh, an initiative to try to do that but they need to be able to correlate 
And if there's certain correlation, they can always go and investigate whether it's not only correlation, but also causation that this A-B test has truly triggered a problem on the site. And they can always go and deactivate the thing and yeah. see whether that fixes the situation. We have uh, program managers who are interested in the in the course of ramping and who want probably to see the results and maybe publish them internally, present them in front of the leadership. We have data scientists who are very much interested to go in depth and analyze results uh, in a very detailed fashion. And they go and uh, take experiment data, try, uh, try to generate additional data dimensions or to apply additional uh, experimentation methodologies on top of that. So we have special tools for, for data scientists. And then we have developers who are responsible for um, a, a lot of things in the process, like for making sure that the experiment gets integrated in the code. Then some developers play the role of, uh, of rampers, experimental rampers, and also they watch results. And yeah. also together with SREs, uh, play in the first or second line of defense whenever um, there's there's unintended consequence happening because of, of some experiments. So the culture, I would say the culture is so complex and so vibrant at the same time that it, it's very interesting to be a part of this community. Will this work? Hmm, maybe not. Isn't that what we're all trying to figure out? With VWO, create an A-B test different variations of your website to continuously discover the best performing versions that improve conversions. Stop guessing. Start A-B testing with VWO today. And, and do you know, you work for, for LinkedIn now for over five years. Um, do you know if this was always a part of uh, uh, LinkedIn and was it always in the blood of everyone at LinkedIn to run experiments? Or did LinkedIn have to make a change at some point to to yeah to get everyone doing this? So uh, yeah, I, I gave a talk in, uh, about half a year ago, and we published a few blog posts. Uh, there were there were some experiments being run about twelve yes it's twelve years ago, but they were totally ad hoc, and it was a completely manual process where you would have to go and manually embed experiment definitions into services configs and then uh, publish this, this service or multiple services, then you would have to put some data into R and then generate results manually. But it, it was riddled with, uh, with problems, honestly. It, first of all, it was taking too much time and there were, uh, in, there were statistical significance problems and the methodology was not truly scientific. So uh, I don't know what happened in 2010. I think we just, we have just, uh, we had gotten a few smart people on board at LinkedIn who decided that it's not the right situation. And maybe if people were yeah. truly, uh, truly inspired with the data-driven, uh, data-driven direction LinkedIn was taken. And um, also, also we have, I think we have a few statisticians and data scientists in the in the leadership, uh, and the, I mean it's it's pretty much it is pretty much in the culture, and it's it, it's thanks to our leaders that LinkedIn started to develop in the experimentation platform, and for 
the first few years, the team was mostly building the foundations. Uh, we came with an idea of a unified metric platform, which is a single source of truth for all the metrics in the company for both experimentation and reporting. And that's an awesome thing because some companies have one set of metrics for reporting, the other one set of metrics for A-B testing, but then it may be very hard to make sense of how they relate to each other, especially if they're defined in different ways. Yeah. And uh, around... Which happens a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, then we we also have Yashu, who had a, a prior experimentation background in Microsoft and who joined our company. And she she truly took our platform to the to the next level. And around 2015, we've realized that oh my gosh, we have so much data, honestly, that it becomes uh, we we have to shift the focus from just building the foundation and adding new features to understand how we can make sense of so much data and how we can process it uh, much more quickly. Because at the time let's say you start an experiment on Monday, then you would get your first results by Thursday only. And that was considered pretty normal. So we understood that the experimentation system does not only need to exist, but also be fast and have low latency of result generation, because then it would be so much, so much more useful. And now, you know, uh, people have been used to to getting their experimentation results so quickly. Now, if there's a delay sometimes of one or two hours, they may be sending us emails and asking us, the, the results are supposed to be here. Why, why is there a delay? It's not always the case, but it's still funny uh, since I remember how slow it was about, about six years ago when I just uh, joined the company. And uh, we've... Uh, we compare the development of the experimentation platform to um, to some form of Maslow's hierarchy. So, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy when you have first uh, physiological, physiological need, uh, safety, physiological needs, and then it goes up to intellectual and self-realization uh, needs. So the same is actually true, or a very similar thing is true about the experimentation platform. So. You just start with the point where the experimentation system just needs to exist to simplify certain day-to-day -day tasks of all of the people involved in experimentation. And then you need to make sure that uh, it becomes trustworthy. It, it becomes reliable so that people get results whenever they are expected so that they can promptly continue their experiments or promptly fix their problems. Then... Uh, you also go towards intellectualization and you want to make sure that uh, the platform generates insights. It can filter out signal from the ocean of noise because not every experiment moves all 8,000 metrics. And um, so the, the further it goes, the more intellectual it becomes. And then it goes into the base of um, advanced methodologies that are only applicable for specific use cases like variance reduction or uh, one of the things that we have recently developed internally is budget budget splitting experimentation when when you have certain treatments competing for the same budget allocation and which would yield incorrect results 
if you run a conventional IP test, by the way, there will be a blog post on the engineering blog, I think within within a few weeks about that. So that's a very interesting topic to read about. And uh, a lot more things. So uh, it's very interesting to see the direction of the platform's development. And um, in the recent years, we have seen a lot of yeah. specialization to be able to handle very specific, but yet very impactful use cases from the company correctly. Did a lot of things change um, uh, during your time at LinkedIn? Uh, of course, uh, technology has changed a lot. Uh, I mean, that, that's what you were working on. Uh, but do, do you also experience a big change in, in uh, culture or mindset? Or, or was it already pretty mature uh, five years ago and, and um, it's been pretty much the same uh, last five years? So... How, how people at the company approach experimentation? I think um, the, the culture the culture has been changing as well. And I think that people, a lot more teams started realizing the importance of running processes. And the company is growing nature, uh, naturally and the teams, the teams become larger and teams realize that uh, Whatever was whatever was useful for the team of a very small size, like when you just have several people in it, it cannot be it cannot be applied to the teams when you have hundreds hundreds of people there, and you have to control the chaos. Otherwise, so you have planning process, you have some feature development process, but you also need to have some process in regards to making. A-B testing orderly and organized, and you need to make sure that uh, all the things are either completely ramped or completely deramped. Because there are different situations when people uh, may forget or uh, people may leave the company without having finished A-B test. People may uh, some initiatives may be deprioritized for for various reasons, and there are different life situations that also will impact A/B testing. So you have to have a process for eliminating the chaos of A/B testing, and I think that's that's a pretty difficult task. So it's always easier to create something rather than uh, to take a certain degree of chaos under under your control. And other other directions, like uh, like I said, we see a lot of specialization in the needs. Different different organizations have different uh, experimentation needs because they have different uh, preferred ways of executing experimentation. For example, our artificial intelligence org uh, they they tend to have very very long A/B tests that are continuous and they they never stop because they may be they, they may be A/B testing their feed ranking models and it's a continuous process so there's never there's never end there's never full perfection and it cannot probably be achieved this way but they may have hundreds of iterations over multiple years to see and then it naturally uh, it naturally comes that they have to maybe have a different ways of interacting with iterations maybe they want to see certain uh, results for a specific iteration. Maybe they want to highlight what models are the most impactful and what models did not work at all. So they want to apply some metadata. And data scientists, on the other hand, need support with tools to run some custom analysis. 
um, and some things they may uh, may have been doing manually using R or Python by applying data science libraries, but it's really laborsome and it it, it takes quite a long time when you when you need to run a causal analysis uh, study manually. I think it can take a few weeks easily, but when you have a support from a tool, it, I think it just reduces to maybe to the order of a few days and a day in, in the worst case. And there's yeah. a lot of support that the platform provides in, in such a case. So what, what kind of um, uh, support are you giving the, the users? Uh, for, well, let, let, maybe let's, uh, as a case, so if I work at uh, LinkedIn and I want to run a test, what, what is the process I need to go through? And um, do I need to take into account other other experiments that are running? Or, uh, for example, is the is the tool alerting me for conflicts uh, in that uh, in that case, or how does right. that work? So, um, that first of all, we need to identify your your role, whether you have joined LinkedIn as a developer or as a pro pro program manager or someone else. But let's say you're a developer, right? And uh, what what you have to do, you have to go to the UI and create test entry on the UI and specify a few configuration things like test name, who is the owner, what is the uh, internal team responsible for the test. It, it's always a problem of ownership because people move around. Sometimes people leave the company. Also, you specify metrics of interest, uh, some things that you are going to be looking for uh, directly, and maybe they are related to your uh, problem area. Like if you are uh, working on the talent services, you may be interested in learning what's the impact on email acceptance rate. That's, by the way, one of the metrics that benefits, that shows how we measure benefit for the members as well, because when a recruiter sends an email uh, and someone replies, usually that means that there's a certain match between recruiter's intention to hire someone and between uh, a person responding to this invite. And uh, it's a good sign that a conversation has started and maybe there will be some uh, interview and hiring in the end. So after you have identified those metrics of interest, you go and uh, embed a few lines of the code into your project. So that's uh, an if-else switch in your code that identify how, uh, what, what direction the execution will take. Either it will execute uh, some treatment behavior, or it will execute the default behavior. And you, um, the next thing you need to do is, is to make sure that you have metrics, all the metrics that you need to measure. And since we have about 8,000 metrics, most likely that the metrics are already present there and someone has already created them and you do not have to do any additional work usually. In that case, and then you go deploy your service, uh, make sure that the code with a B test is there, and you activate your test on the UI. And from that moment on, the service may produ produce some information about uh, who has seen the test, what treatment they received, and when it happened. So this goes to our Hadoop clusters, and in the background, we do some magic processing and generate results on the AB dashboard. And uh, the dashboard basically tells user what happened, how it happened, and uh, what whether whether there, there were any problems detected automatically, where uh, whether there was any negative impact on the metrics of interest, 
or on the metrics that were identified as true north for the company. And uh, we also provide some other tools to help people um, not not to break anything on the way, consistent with taking intelligent risks. Uh, so for, first of all, we, uh, we provide a tool for uh, experiment owners to connect with uh, metric owners. And uh, let's say if you have a few thousand people running experimentation and then you have 8,000 8, metrics that may have also a few thousand of owners, it's very hard to figure out the interaction between the two because some person may care a lot about in-mail acceptance rate and they may see some change, but they don't know whether it's uh, a part of organic growth or decline or whether that was an impact caused by some experiment or a range of experiments. So what we do, we show experiments that have moved the metric most for the past for the past 30 days, and we provide a way for those people to connect and try to understand the impact, whether it's uh, justified or not, and whether any actions need to be done there. Also, we do some... Um, we have some mechanisms to alert experiment owners as well. So whenever a metric of interest moves in an unintended direction, it's they also get notified, especially if it's uh, an impact that that's above certain threshold. Uh, beside that, our experiment uh, experiment assignment or treatment assignment uh, is implemented in such a way that experiments, if they are relatively large, do not interact with each other. So we have released a blog post on that quite recently. I hope the link will be in the description of the podcast. Uh, yep, I'll add that. So we basically guarantee that the assignments are independent of, of each other by using a hashing approach. And this way, uh, experiment owners do not usually have to um, to worry of whether their experiment will move uh, metrics for the other experiment as well. So the relative impacts for the experiments should not be uh, should not be impacted by each other. Of course, the absolute impact on the entire site depends on all the experiments that are run. But uh, you can always try trust the uh, relative impact measurement in that case. There are some some rare cases yeah. when experiments need to be aligned with each other or uh, there are some rare cases where they might have some interference on each other and in that case we actually provide a tool for data scientists to analyze such interference and understand um, whether that's a real thing and uh, whether anything needs to be done with that yeah okay now alex uh, you are the tech lead of the experimentation program so I assume you and your team mainly concern um, uh, is, is the software itself and uh, the, the technology behind that. Do you also have people, or I assume actually uh, teams of people uh, within LinkedIn that, that help people do this, help them with the process, uh, especially new people, help them, um, uh, well, first off, get, this, uh, get into this mindset, but also understand how experimentation works and, and, and spread that the culture of experimentation within the company? Uh, yeah, that, that's a great question. Thank you. First of all, I would like to note that we run A-B tests on, even on our own infrastructure or whenever it's applicable. So sometimes you may see an A-B test within all other A-B tests and that's a pretty awesome thing. 
<laughs> Very meta, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, we have a few ways to help to educate people on the best ways of running, running A-B tests. So first of all, every, every engineer who joins the company goes through a bootcamp process where uh, they get information about uh, certain technologies that LinkedIn uses internally, certain tools, and we actually have a dedicated session on A-B testing to show uh, how A-B tests can run. And we also, from time to time, we run advanced training courses for A-B testing to show people how you can deep dive into uh, the experiment results, how you can, let's say, change your analysis ranges, how you can schedule certain reports and so on and so forth. And we get a great support from our data science org in terms of other things in regards to experiment preparation and uh, uh, helping other people trump something. So we basically answer engineering questions and some of the questions in terms of experiment setup. If it's something cumbersome or, or if there's some intricate setup required or uh, the experiment might not be truly an A-B test, um, we, uh, we use help from our data science org. We have a dedicated experimentation experimentation research data science team, and the, by the way, they published quite a few uh, quite a few papers on that. And um, we have a pretty large data science org in general, and uh, those people usually get assigned to their specific product teams and help them to run their A/B tests to understand the best way of. Uh, setting them up of the best way of even choosing the randomization unit or metrics that should be measured in this or other case of whether that that should be an A-B test or an observational study, causal observational study, and a lot more things. I know that not all the companies have data scientists uh, or big data science present in the org, but actually I think uh, we have a lot of values coming from collaboration between engineers and data scientists, and uh, we have uh, we have made a lot of developments thanks for such uh, fruitful collaboration. Okay, yeah, and you, you just uh, uh, already mentioned uh, uh, variance uh, reduction methods that you that you have. Uh, can you explain a bit um, uh, what they do? Yep. So, uh, I think um, that a lot of companies in the industry so. Okay, maybe I'm not representative, but I've met at least a few. Uh, have problems with uh, with low sample sizes and not having enough statistical power for certain groups of population. Because sometimes you must run an experiment on a very small geographical area, like a small town, or maybe uh, on an area where there are a lot of people but very small presence on the internet, and it's pretty hard to reason about the results uh, and the results may never become statistically significant for such areas. Also, there are, so LinkedIn is a large site and it, um, LinkedIn provides a lot of free tools and also uh, paid tools as well for different groups of population like LinkedIn talent solution for recruiters, sales solutions, uh, learning solutions, 
and uh, marketing solutions, and all of them have different uh, sizes of of the populations of of users, and um, or maybe even different areas of the site. Like a profile page has a totally different number of visitors than the feed, uh, the default feed page, which is on the homepage located there. So, uh, in in the cases where you don't have millions of users. Sometimes it's justifiable not, so you, you can still run a regular A-B test, but sometimes it's very important to apply some variance reduction method by either using um, pre-experiment metrics uh, that's, that's called the Cupid method. And our head of data science, Yashu, was one of the co-authors uh, of, this, of this method or a stratification method, which splits the member population into certain strata based on their metrics. And uh, we've seen some, we've seen such examples where that helps a lot for such smaller products or uh, smaller use cases overall. So that's one of the things we are actively developing right now. And we hope to see a lot of good use even for a lot more experiments. And we hope this will help us to execute experimentation faster because at such scale every day saved on on an ab test results in uh tre tremendous improvement for for the overall uh, yeah. for the overall site yeah uh, do you do you think you there there are more problems out there that, that other companies have that you that you think oh we already solved that at linkedin so um i've mentioned observational causal studies and uh, i Again, I'm not representative. Uh, there are a lot of companies who run A-B testing, but I'm I'm pretty sure that it's not a widely spread approach compared to the regular A-B testing because of its complexity. And uh, we have uh, predictionalized a number of a number of methods for performing such studies, and we have seen um, we have seen successful examples of analyzing the impacts of experiments or pseudo experiments when there's an impact on the treatment and con control allocation. Uh, and there was an article published in Harvard Harvard Business Review, I think, about the, uh, it's called mm -hmm. the importance of being causal that describes four use cases uh, from LinkedIn that um, where we apply different observ observational causal methods and where we were able to get a more precise impact because, for example, A-B tests were showing huge impact, but they were super optimistic or too, too optimistic in that case. I think, I think that's very powerful, but um, they are pretty, pretty hard to use. And I feel you have, you need to have some statistical background to, to correctly use those or at least you need to have a lot of hands-on experience, but it's much more complex than A-B testing, and that's why it's more of a specialization. Yeah, yeah. And the the importance of being uh, a causal is in uh, Harvard Business Review, and I uh, I found the link, so I will add that uh, to the show notes uh, of the of the podcast. Um, what are the things you you're working on the next year? Say, uh, what, what are you working on? What's your plan for the next twelve months to to take this even uh, further? So, uh, I, I forgot to add something something else to the previous 
to the previous question, which is oh yeah, go ahead. Like I said, we have a huge, huge amount of users, a uh, huge quantity of users, and then mm-hmm. uh, at the at this scale, uh, let's say if we run thousands of experiments per year, that means that we are spending literally years on experimentation. And one of the things yeah. that we did is automating the process of ramping based on SQR methodology, uh, which stands for speed, quality, risk. And uh, we have a paper on that. So if you search for speed, quality, risk framework, there will be uh, another paper published by LinkedIn data scientists, which is a method for automatically analyzing experiment results. And I remember that in one of your previous episodes, you've had a discussion that you should not look at um, AB, AB testing results too often because then uh, there's the likelihood that you will see positive results and you will say, okay, I'm I'm happy, I'm successful, yeah. I'm done, let's ramp it 100%, right? So uh, we actually employ a method there to make sure that we do not get too pessimistic and uh, AB results conversion some sense to a certain to, to, to certain number. And then this uh, particular mechanism can make a call of whether the test can be ramped up automatically and save time uh, to the owning team, or it needs to, the results need to be submitted for a human review because there could be some uh, controversial in the metrics, like some metrics may be may increase, some metrics may decrease, and that's a human who needs to make a call of whether this experiment can be deemed successful or not. Um, And in regards to what we will be doing, we'll be doing in the next year. So the speed and optimization of AB pipelines is still a thing for us because we continue to, uh, to observe data growth and the metric growth and growth in the number of tests as well. So it has been a nonstop process for over for over five years now to optimize the pipelines. And we are looking to make use of variance reduction for a lot more experiments across LinkedIn. And we want to see whether um, majority of LinkedIn's experiment can benefit from, from those methodologies and whether we can significantly speed up our experimentation. Yeah, I think I have a lot of reading up to do after this episode uh, <laughs> with all the articles you're referring. So that's, that's great. But even um, uh, when people think, oh, I need need more things uh, uh, to read, do you have any book recommendations for our audience? So one of the books that I would like to recommend is, I'm going to look it up because the title is quite long, is Trustworthy Online Controlled Experiments. I've Practical Guide to A-B Testing, and that, that's yep. a collaboration between Ron Kohavi from Microsoft, a, a former uh, lead of Microsoft XP team, and Yashu, who is the head of data science at LinkedIn, and they cover a lot of things that you need to do or to know to get, the, to get your own A-B Testing platform started, and uh, it's really a comprehensive guide, in my opinion. And the other thing, which is not directly related to A-B testing, but uh, I think which is very useful to understand the importance of measuring everything is uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, uh, who is the Nobel Prize winner. And I uh, I adore that book because uh, it 
tells so much about conscious uh, about subconscious biases in uh, humans' perception or reasoning that uh, once once you read it, you will trust nothing about regarding what people say. <laughs> yeah. or, or what your own thoughts are you know trusting yourself yeah, anymore. exactly so <laughs> you will have a lot more uh, inclination to measure everything rather than just trust people what they're saying even if they're completely sure and even if they say it exactly alex thanks so much uh our hour is up uh, uh you've been uh great at sharing a lot of uh, insights in uh, into how uh, linkedin is managing all those thousands of experiments uh, i think that's of great value of, uh, uh, and a lot of uh, inspiration also for for our users something uh, we can we can all work towards uh, so that's great thank you so much thank you very much thank you for inviting me hope to see you soon bye 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 and this concludes season three episode 16 of the shiro cafe podcast with alexander ivanyuk make sure to check out the show notes on the shiro cafe website for links to some additional information on today's topic talk to you next episodes and always be optimizing